0: Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to BGN Radio.
1: Why would you listen to any other (laughs) Eagles podcast (laughs) with John
2: Stormis and Brandon Lee Gallagher? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 67, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, here with the Supreme Leader of BGN, Brandon Lee Gowton. May he forever reign, BLG. Day four of training camp is in the books. How you doing, brother? Mike. Uh, the season is back on after
1: being canceled the last time I talked to you, so that's very good news. I'm glad that nice. you know Carson Wentz looked better. He, he bounced back today. We'll get into that, but just the fact that you know he's on the rebound, the
2: season is back on. Uh, I think it's fair to say Super Bowl. I agree, and it's a good thing we're not being reactionary either. These these takes have taken a while to kind of formulate, and kind of it's good that we're back in the race for the Super Bowl. Before we get into it, I just want to put out some quick programming notes here. Earlier today on Fireside Chats 14, you'll see that's in the feed. I talked with Derek Klassen of Football Outsiders. He wrote the Eagles chapter for the 2019 Football Almanac for them. So we dig into the past and project the future for the Eagles in that one. Tomorrow, I am recording with the squirrely Benjamin Solak for the second installment of our Eye on the Enemy Rams edition. Also, I'm supposed to be talking with Evan Silva of EstablishTheRun.com. We'll have fresh press conferences coming for you, as well as Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz were at the podium today. So a ridiculous amount of content for you here on this feed. And if you aren't subscribed yet, smash the subscribe button, leave five stars, write a fun review, whatever you want to do, and make sure you're following BGN underscore radio on Twitter to keep up to date with the bevy of shows that we're releasing as we ramp up towards the 2019 season. And part of that ramp up is our coverage of the Eagles training camp, and that's what we're here to do today. BLG, first on the docket, has to be the budding connection between Carson Wentz and the returning Deshaun Jackson. I feel like we talk about it a lot. But there's a reason for that. Number one, it's new, and it's also incredibly exciting. And each day, it feels like they're building better and better chemistry. Tell me about what you saw today from those two.
1: Yeah, really encouraging to see Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson getting on the same page, especially after we talked about those struggles in Saturday's practice, especially with the deep ball. I mean, going back to the spring practices, I feel like Carson and Deshaun, like one of the things we were talking about here on BGN Radio was the fact that already – Uh, in such a short amount of time they're really already on the same page and they they did connect on some deep attempts in the spring but uh they were again there were some issues on this past saturday that you had seen carson overthrowing deshaun twice so it was very nice to see them get on the same page today you had carson making some just really good throws um, Deshaun just clearly not losing any speed, even though he's going to be 33 this season. I mean, there was a, a play, Mike, where Carson just hits Deshaun on a short little screen and Deshaun gets a block and like, there's just open field in front of him and it's a touchdown. Like, how is it not going to be a touchdown? Cause who's going to catch him from behind? The answer yeah. is nobody. So, uh, that's just really cool to see, um, those two guys already getting connected. Uh, the Alshon thing deep uh there was an issue with that today still though uh Carson did throw a pick to Rizul Douglas it was a, a one-handed pick on an overthrow Ooh. Sewell good play by him want to give him credit but also you know clearly an overthrow by Carson you know that's something we've been talking about monitoring this offseason I feel like those two still maybe you know not are on the same page fully I think in the intermediate passing game and underneath even like that's all good that seems to be the timing there seems to be good with all and Carson Wentz but in terms of the deep passing game, it's just like it's not exactly where you want it to be. And that's not, you know, pushing the panic button right now because there's still all of camp and preseason kind of work on that. And as I've said, like literally every episode of this offseason, this is their first full offseason. <laughs> We're actually being able to practice with each other. So you would hope that yeah. kind of helps. But overall, uh, I thought it was just good for Carson to, you know, kind of bounce back. And even that the interception he had early in practice. So not, so, you know, having this bad practice kind of, on Saturday and then making that mistake early today but then like being locked in after that and
2: bouncing back and not letting it ruin the whole day for him just an encouraging sign for me yeah, and that's a good note on Alshon. It'll be great, you know, with Deshaun getting all the hype for being the deep threat that he is, he's going to command some over-the-top attention, and you, can, you can't always have two deep safeties. Alshon Jeffrey is going to get some favorable matchups, so it'll be great if they can get on the same page and get that chemistry going as well, that it'll be big for the offense. And looking at how Wentz did overall, it's good to get the perspective from those on the outside looking in, and Dan Orlovsky was there and said, quote, at the Eagles training camp practice, Carson Wentz is putting on a dang clinic of anticipation and ball placement and touch and zip and all the things that pertain to flat out Dealing in all caps. Dealing in all caps. So unquote there. So big day for Carson after an up and down day on Saturday, which is exactly what you want to see from the franchise quarterback. And look, speaking of bounce back days, you also wrote that Nelson Aguilar stepped up his game today. What did you think about his performance and how is that wide receiver group shaping up?
1: Yeah, Nelson just kind of looked uncoverable in the in the slot, which is nice to see. Um, he definitely beat Sidney Jones and Avante Maddox and basically whoever they they were throwing in there at the nickel position. Uh, so that was nice to see. I think that's one thing Carson did well too today, which isn't surprising and his, his, even his biggest critics will give you that he can he, he can work the middle of the field and maybe too much yeah. sometimes, but that was definitely an area that he was locked in today, whether it was finding Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard or notably Nelson Aguilar, again, who didn't do so well on Saturday, but kind of bounced back today. Uh, just encouraging to see. And really, you know, when we talk about this whole thing about, like, are there too many mouths to feed? Is Carson going to be able to, you know, distribute the ball evenly so it's keeping everyone happy? Um, these kind of talking points. I thought that's what he did today Like he spread the ball around Obviously he was finding Deshaun over and over But I mean who can blame him if Deshaun's going to be wide open down the field you want him taking those uh, those shots when they're there uh, So overall just you know pretty encouraging to see the offense humming uh, looking in sync for the most part And I don't think it's just like simply bad defense too. like it just seemed like good offensive execution for the most part
2: That's excellent and looking at this wide receiver group we haven't talked much about Mac Hollins since he's kind of returned to reality. I, like, I think I heard someone say it might have been like Bull Wolf or somebody like that saying he needs to hold up like a newspaper with the date on it when, when he's there. But based on what you've seen so far from Mac, and look, it's still early, obviously, but do you think Hollins is a lock for wide receiver five? Or could he be challenged by another? Maybe somebody like Braxton Miller. And there's so many weapons. I'm challenged. I'm, I'm challenging myself on the wide receiver five things. So let's see. I also Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar. Check, check, check. JGR Sega, Whiteside. Am I missing anybody? Who's who's gonna make this roster? I think it's gonna be Matt Collins as your
1: number five, assuming he's healthy. And now uh, the latest on Matt Collins is that he did not practice today on Monday, um, which you know isn't great because he you know having that injury history for so long before this point. Doug Peterson said it was not related to the groin, which I guess is a good thing. Matt Collins apparently in the locker room said that he should be back in a day or two. I take that with a grain of salt because Matt Collins (laughs) also said that he thought he should be ready for the week one opening game against the Falcons last year. And then he was placed (laughs) on injured reserve and didn't play the whole season and really didn't start practicing until training camp. So I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying I don't really know what to believe for sure and how much you can take what he says at face value. So I'm hopeful. I hope to see Mac Collins back soon. And when he has been out there, I don't you know, it's not like overly impressive in the sense of like he's making these highlight plays all the time, but he's looked good. Like he's catching the ball when it's thrown to him. He looks like healthy and fast when he's been on the field. So I definitely think he makes this team as a fifth receiver, especially because he has that background for being a special teams demon kind of contributor guy. Uh, whatever you want to call it, special teams ace. So I think the fact that, you know, he has that going for him really helps. I mean, he has to stay healthy. You know, that's the big thing. That's, I guess, the only kind of reason why he wouldn't be on the team is if he just can't stay healthy. Uh, Braxton Miller actually had his best day of literally the entire offseason today because I noticed him a couple times. Um, But other than that, he's been invisible. So I just, I can't see it. And he's practicing like third, fourth string. So he's he seems to be way down the depth chart. The other guys to watch for that kind of, you know, maybe fifth, sixth receiver spot, or like a Charles Johnson, who is obviously a veteran guy and has experienced the, the AAF's all time leading receiver. Um had a better spring than I, I would say a camp so far. Haven't noticed him as much. Um then you have Shelton Gibson who dropped a routine pass today. His hands kind of still an issue. And then you have a guy like Greg Ward who was getting some first team reps, but I really don't think you know that's gonna be much of a thing. So I don't even know if they keep six Uh, They might just keep five, and and Mac, I would say, is probably going to be that guy.
2: Yeah, a lot of guys hanging around that have hung around for a while on the outside looking in right now with all the talent at this wide receiver position. So wide receiver five is still something to look at here. Hopefully, Mack can get back healthy. Going back to the guys that are dealing to the wide receivers, let's go back to the quarterbacks for a second here. Nate Sudfeld, Clayton Thorson, Cody Kessler. How did the trio of backups look today? Because from what I heard, Thorson had like one of the worst passes in camp history. And that's saying something. Yeah, that was Jimmy Kemsky who uh, said that, I believe.
1: And <laughs> I mean, Clayton Thorson just hasn't had a good offseason, Mike. Uh, again, I think of that one OTA recap I did with you and literally the first day. And I was like, oh, uh, didn't look so bad. Uh, <laughs> that was easily his best day. And that wasn't even like overly great. It was just like, OK, he didn't totally suck that day. But man, he's been bad. Since today, I just remember two passes that went towards the sideline where the ball was just like extremely overthrown. Receiver didn't have a chance to make a play inbounds. And the ball was really wobbling in the air, too. I wonder if that's something the Eagles do with, the, with their quarterbacks in terms of mechanics, because I remember Carson really having a wobbly throw uh, as a rookie early on in his career. So I don't know if that's related or what, but uh, Clayton Thorson definitely throwing a wobbly ball right now. And the throw that Jimmy was talking about was basically like an arm punt like he just, he threw it and it looked like it could have been a punt because like there was enough time for everyone to like get like face forward, you know, like towards like back, back towards the line of scrimmage and um, yeah. wait for the ball to get there. So just really, really not good from him. I would say uh, Cody Kessler, who didn't look so good in the spring practices and in fairness to him, you know, he only signed with the team like I think a week or so before OTA. So he didn't have a ton of time to to get into the playbook before he really got the reps uh, live uh, he's looked okay like I think he's looked better than Clayton Thorson and, and I would almost describe the situation as like I'm thinking Mike they're going to keep Clayton Thorson on the team I'm kind of hoping they do and the, just in the sense of um, like you took this guy with a fifth round pick when you only had five picks so right like, he better be this like developmental project at that point but like I think if it was a situation god forbid where Carson Wentz went down for an extended period of time and Nate Sudfeld is your starter I don't think they well we'll see how they feel Me personally, I don't feel like, you know, comfortable with Clayton Thorson as the number two at that point. I think they would like re-sign Cody Kessler and make him the two and Thorson. So the gist there, the point of that, all that being like, I don't think there's any way like Thorson sees the field this year. He just seems like way, way not ready for that. Yeah, and
2: I was going to ask you about that. Thorson was like my least favorite pick of all of them having done the pre-draft work on him. Kessler has starting experience in the NFL and whether he's great, bad, average or otherwise, that's more than Thorson has right now. So I was going to ask, you know, do you think Thorson gets subjected to the practice squad because each day it seems safer and safer in regards to the possibility of him not being poached, which isn't a good thing, but it's a thing.
1: Yeah, I I think I guess I would feel like no one's going to go after Kessler hard um so like again you could kind of keep thorsen on the roster yeah. and like if there was an injury and you had to resign kessler i think you could uh i, I don't yeah. think they would want to expose thorsen to possibility of some other team trying to just take a shot on him in, in the case of you know them cutting him just because they've already invested this resource and they seemingly have some kind of vision for him although uh as you you guys you and ben have said here on bgn radio and myself like i don't think any of us were fans of that pick not even just from a uh like an evaluation side but also like a process side it's like what's the upside here like the best case yeah. outcome is that he can be like an okay backup i guess behind carson wentz next year if nate sudfeld leaves in free agency right which like is that even a guarantee like what if sudfeld <laughs> doesn't get like a, what he wants in terms of like uh at least to compete for a starting job so I don't know. Just not looking like an awesome pick right now.
2: Let's stay with the offense for one more, and and kind of, I guess. Uh, Did I read that Miles Sanders was getting some work as a returner today?
1: He was. A kick returner. Now, he did some of that at Penn State. I believe 38 career returns over his three seasons there um, with the Nittany Lions. Not really a great returner in that regard that he only had like 20.1 yards per kick return. So I don't think he's some dynamic weapon there, but he was getting looks along with some of the other, like, like a Boston Scott or a Mm Donald Pumphrey, those kind of running backs. Um, I'm sure Corey Clement could get some looks there. He could potentially be the main guy once he gets healthy in the regular season. But on the Miles Sanders note, I will switch Mike to the backfield. Uh the, the mm-hmm. much more exciting use of Miles Sanders because when you see Miles Sanders run, like he is so clearly a different kind of running back in the in the sense of like this guy has shiftiness and like explosiveness. Mm-hmm. And you just don't see that same kind of like dynamic ability from any of the other Eagles running backs. Like he is very unique in that regard. Um like you can you can just see it. Like you, you can watch a play before the play let's say like you didn't even know who the running back was but you're yeah. just looking at the play and based on how the play goes and how the run goes like okay that's Miles Sanders just because it's it that's like what he has you know he's been mixing in with the first team i still think jordan howard is getting most of the looks there and that's probably not an accident and i still think that's how it's going to go especially at least early on in the season with jordan howard kind of being that 1a in the rotation whereas sanders is kind of more of a the 1b so i kind of think that's where it's at right now
2: So that is uh, encouraging to hear about Miles Sanders. Definitely a different type of back than than a Jordan Howard in terms of explosiveness, burst and, and lateral agility and all those things. So hopefully he's able to make his stamp on this team sooner than later. So that's the offensive side of the ball. We're going to get to the defensive side of the ball after the break here on BGN Radio. We'll be right back.
0: And we are back on BGN Radio episode 67, brought to
2: you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gouten, who had boots on the ground at the NoviCare Complex. We already covered the offense. Let's switch it to the defensive side of the ball. It will go front to back, starting with two players on the interior of the defense. You wrote that Timmy Jernigan is looking healthy, and Hassan Ridgeway, the former Colts player that the Eagles traded for during the draft, made a splash play. How's the depth? Shaking out in the teeth of this defense.
1: Yeah, really good and really encouraging to see Timmy Jernigan healthy. He's obviously getting some or all the looks with the first team, given that Fletcher Cox isn't doing tre- team drills yet. So uh, good to see Jernigan still have that explosiveness. You know, he really fired into the backfield today to tackle Jordan Howard, who, you know, say what you will about Jordan Howard, but, you know, he's a big dude. Like, he, he's strong, he's physical. Uh, so for Timmy Jernigan to take him down in the backfield like that isn't just, like, the easiest thing in the world. It's not like he's taking down Boston Scott or Donnell Pumphrey. Good job by Timmy Jernigan to do that, and also love the energy that he brings, again, uh, taunting the offense and dancing Uh, after making that play
2: they're a rambunctious group I love it
1: they are I love that I love like I was talking about that with Vinny on Saturday's podcast they just they play with a lot of energy and I think there's something to be said for that I think they kind of like they play with they have fun basically and you want your guys having fun that's good to see and yeah with with Ridgeway he's kind of been getting some gas a little bit from the coaching staff I know Jim Schwartz has mentioned him like at least twice now the Eagles obviously had some kind of eye for him in the sense that they traded a pick for him. It was a very late seventh round pick, but still, you know, like they went out and actively pursued him. So they have some kind of interest, I definitely think he's kind of on the on the bubble. Like, I don't I don't know for sure if he's making the roster 100, but I think the Eagles want to be deep, obviously at that defensive tackle and really at defensive end too. They want to be deep on the defensive line, so they're yeah. they're certainly not going to be averse to keeping extra guys at those spots. And Ridgeway could be one of those guys who kind of sneaks on and uh, gets some playing time in the defensive end rotation. Might even be out playoff hero Trayvon Hester. Not not sure. But I don't think that's impossible.
2: Yeah, and Ridgeway was a guy that Indianapolis liked, but he just couldn't crack the rotation there. And he's only 24 years old. And I was going to ask you if you were to write the 53-man roster prediction right now, if he would be on or not. But it sounds like he's firmly on the bubble. So that's a situation to monitor in terms of, you know, who makes it out of that that backup group there. Uh, as a follow-up, are there any other notes from either the interior or the edge players worth speaking about here that happened today at training camp?
1: The new Steven Means, Joe yeah, Osman maybe. himself. Like what I saw on him today, definitely beat uh, Jordan Mylata, who was playing right tackle during 11 on 11. Nice move to get inside on Mylada and uh, force some pressure on Nate Sudfeld. I would say he got there in time for the, you know, quote-unquote sack. Obviously, no contact with the quarterback in these kind of drills, but he got there in good time. Osman also had a nice tackle for no gain in run defense, so he's been active. Um, again, a guy who probably, in my opinion, doesn't really make the roster um, and even if he does, he's what your like fifth defensive end. But I think he can be a very valuable, at the least, like a practice player for the Eagles. A guy who gives a lot of effort in practice and is not gonna you know make things easy for the offensive line. And hopefully they can kind of appreciate that, like the Eagles did with Stephen Means, you know, who would go hard as hell against the offensive line in practice. And Lane Johnson would say like he would appreciate that because it would give him. Um, It would push him, basically, and it would give him good looks uh, depending on the matchup they would go against. And Steven Means would try to replicate the pass rusher that the Eagles were going to face. And Oseman was kind of that guy last year. So you can kind of see why he gets some buzz and the coaching staff likes him. He can kind of do some things. I also saw Deshaun Hall just absolutely just like obliterate Ryan Bates, who was playing left (laughs) tackle. Um, He just he put him on the ground. Basically, like right after the ball was snapped. So that's kind of, you know, I think Bates, you know, Ben has talked about that's a guy the Eagles consider drafting. They like him. Uh, He might be better suited for some kind of interior role. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, But the Eagles are trying him out at at offensive tackle, left tackle specifically for now. There are some struggles out there. So I will say that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they, he's definitely a guy that you want to kick in, but he does have experience as a tackle. So even if it's bad, you know they like that that versatility. It'll give you something a little bit uh, more along that offensive line. I really like the matchup between Joe Osman and Milata because Osman, while not like the most craziest uh, athlete, a very technically sound type player, going against a green guy like Milata, whose progress we're obviously going to be tracking through all of this. And, and let's go to the linebacker position. We'll go to the second piece of the three, you know, different levels to the defense. I had a buddy of mine that. That's connected to the Stanford program. Ask me about Joey Alfieri's chances to make the roster. So I'll ask that here and I'll throw in the Wisconsin linebacker, TJ Edwards, the undrafted guy who impressed during rookie minicamp. You think either of these guys got a chance, BLG, considering the depth at linebacker right now?
1: I would say Alfieri, no chance. Um, I would say (laughs) Edwards, like he's kind of, I would, if I had to make my roster today, I'd probably leave him off. But I think he's, like, in the bubble conversation. I mean, the Eagles Mm. gave him the most guaranteed money out of all their undrafted free agent signings. You know, there was thought that TJ Edwards could get drafted. So, you know, it's not like he's just coming out of absolutely nowhere. Saw some good things from him in the spring. Saw him being physical today, and uh, really, since the pads have gone on. So I've seen some nice things from him. I don't think it's enough necessarily to be on the roster just yet. But, hey, like, Paul Warlow is hurt. You know, we, we know the LJ Fort comp pick thing is a consideration to be had. If Edwards really steps up, you know, he can he can make his case. I think at the very least, he's going to be on the practice squad, and there's a path to him potentially, especially if injuries happen at that position where he might be able to sneak on to the roster. Um, I would say the biggest thing right now, Mike, at linebacker is the play of our own favorite Kamu Rujay Hill. Um, yeah. You know, he's. I, we, I think I've already talked about this with you, but he's he's stepped up, in my opinion, in a significant way. I think you know, right now, it's really looking like like he's going to be that second linebacker behind Nigel Bradham in terms of snaps played. You know, we know the Eagles really only use two linebackers for the most part. I think Kamu's going to be that guy right now, and, and it's a big year for him because he's going into a contract year. So this is like a really big opportunity for him to have a nice season. And he might price himself out of the Eagles' range. Unfortunately, I would that would be very unfortunate to me. I would love to keep Kamu around, but you know, kind of him evolving from not only this special teams leader, and obviously he was the special teams captain last year, and he's led the team in special teams tackles over the past couple seasons now, kind of becoming this contributor, uh, more more of a significant fixture on defense and really just kind of interesting because when you're looking at this roster you know maybe more so from an outside perspective or just like uh you know you're not paying attention to the common thing like you're thinking zach brown is going to be that guy because he has that right. reputation i mean uh you have doug farrar saying he's like one of the top 10 linebackers in the league like he wrote a post about that earlier this offseason like so we know.
2: had Derek Klassen earlier today from Football Outsiders saying that he was one of the best linebackers in the league last year as well. So yeah. I think the perception outside of Philadelphia, is Zach Brown's definitely getting the starting snaps, but Camus has the coverage skills, the athleticism and all that stuff. If he puts it together, I really do think he has a shot to be a three down linebacker for the Eagles.
1: Yeah. So and I don't think Brown will never play at all. I think it's kind of right. almost more of like he's this team's Michael Hendricks and that he'll have some kind of role and he might even make some splash plays and, it, and it'll be like the Kendricks thing. Like, well, why isn't he playing more? And Part of the answer to that, I think, would be that, first of all, like Kendricks, he doesn't really call a defense. He's never done that in his career. And the other thing is that, like, for as splashy as he can be, it might be a thing where the coaching staff thinks he's not always the most assignment sound player and a player they can kind of, you know, trust to be in the right spot always. So uh, that's kind of where I'm kind of putting that at right now. Now, to be clear, you know, with Bradham not practicing, uh, Zach Brown is on the field in base, but, you know, this team is not going to be in base, most of the time.
2: Yeah. And as a Camus truther, that's fantastic news. Everything we just covered there, he's making me look smart. All right. Third level of the defense. The secondary was like already tough to project in terms of what the starting nickel package would look like, and nickel being essentially the eagles base defense, really. That hasn't become any easier in the last couple of days with the signing of cornerback Orlando Skandrick, the longtime Dallas corner who spent last year with the Chiefs. He's a longtime nickel corner, but last year he was outside with the Chiefs. I said this on Twitter, and I'm wondering your take on it. Well, I have my criticisms of Schwartz, I don't think he gets enough credit inside of Philadelphia for his willingness to adapt and experiment, and I really believe that this may bear itself out with the cornerback group this year in the regular season with several players having inside-outside versatility training. They're firmly in the mix for a matchup and situational roles. I guess the best way to put this is, and, and I don't expect this to be like an every down type thing, but... Are we headed towards more specialization with this cornerback position headed into the season where it's less about ingrained starters and more about playing matchups and situations? Because that's kind of the feel that I'm getting with how the rotation has worked this camp while they search for permanent answers there.
1: I think that's a, a good assessment, Mike, because I think you can think of the same way in offense. Like you can say that, you know, you're you're not necessarily going to play J.J. Arcega-Whiteside you know, in this huge role every week. but There might be a game where he gets more, a lot more playing time or, or more playing time than others. Or same thing with the running backs. Like maybe it's a certain week where you're feeling better about having a more physical running back in Jordan Howard as opposed to a flashy guy uh, like Miles Sanders. So I think that can apply to the defense too. I think it might not always get thought about that way, but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think when you look at a Jim Schwartz defense and you look at his philosophy on things, uh, he's talking about how and the way he Really puts things into action, executes things like he wants more defensive backs on the field, ideally, than you know, bigger linebackers. That's why you see the Eagles play so much nickel and dime, yeah, and why Corey Graham was on this team (laughs) for for (laughs) way too long. So, they're gonna, you know, want more defensive backs on the field and they have the options. Like, that's part of the thing. Like, they're running out a lineup right now that seems pretty passable, right? In terms of Sydney Jones looking good, Avante Maddox, we know what he can do, and Rasul Douglas, who I think has had a very good offseason. And p- picking right up where he left off in the regular season and the playoffs, even last year when he was playing well, and that's you know not even factoring in Ronald Darby, who when he's playing at his best, I think is you know is a very good cornerback. And mm-hmm. even if you don't like, if you, like this team thinks that you know they paid him <laughs> for a reason. Not just to sit the bench, and then you have Jalen Mills in the in the mix as well. So and for all his faults, and he definitely has some, we yep. know he's really good in the red zone. Like the numbers bear that out. Uh, Yeah, so I definitely think that's possible. They can kind of mix and match these guys, figure things out. And that's part of what, you know, the offseason is for, like kind of playing with different lineups. And the Eagles did that again today, where for the most part, it was Maddox on the outside and Rizul Douglas on the outside with Sidney Jones in the slot. But they went to a base rep where it was Sidney Jones and Rizul Douglas as their outside corner. So they're they're definitely
2: mixing and matching things. And I think they're trying to see what works best. Absolutely. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball or just in general from your observations from the day to day before? we get out of here
1: yeah so skandrick you know is with the second team nickel defense um the craven leblanc injury you know that's kind of interesting to me in the sense of so many parallels with mills right y- yeah you never know what to uh to think because yeah jalen mills last year in week eight against the jaguars reportedly suffered a quote unquote foot sprain and he was quote unquote week to week and ultimately in doug speak yeah and doug speak which you know typically isn't a good thing because Richard Rodgers was also week to week in the preseason after the second preseason game, and he didn't come back till like halfway through the regular season. So going back to the Mills uh, strap thing though, like same terminology, week to week, both foot sprain apparently in terms of reports. You know Doug Peterson didn't officially say what it was, and he won't because he's not going to divulge that. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to me, like I when I when I see these reports that like. Cravon could be back for Week One. Like, okay, maybe, but looking at the history of what happened with Jalen Mills, and I get, you know, they're different players, they're different people. Could, the extent of the injury could be different, but like, it's just, I don't, I don't think we should just assume 100 that Cravon will be ready for Week One, especially with the Eagles, you know, going out and not only claiming Alex Brown on waivers, who's just a camp body, but still, like they, they did enough. You know, they were something sparked them to both get a cornerback, even if he's just a camp body. And then also go out and get Orlando Skandrick, who, you know, you you have to look at it from his perspective. Like, did he really come here to Philly just to eat up reps in training camp?
2: Because right. he worked out with the Vikings as well, as we noted yes. when it happened.
1: Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, would he come? Like, if it was just like, yeah, you have no chance of making the team? Like, I don't think so. I think you have to sell him to, in order to sign him to get him to agree. You have to be like, well, you know, there, there is a chance for you to make this roster. So. Um, I think he's going to have that opportunity if Strap, you know, is going to be hurt here and miss some time, uh, which wouldn't be ideal. You know, I think the ideal situation is that Orlando Skandrick does not make this team because I think he's kind of just, you know, cooked for the most part. At this point, like I just don't think it's an ideal situation. I mean, he's wearing a long snapper's number right now, Mike.
2: I was going to ask the jersey number analytics on forty-five for a cornerback. What do you think about it? I
1: mean, that's terrible. I mean, like (laughs) he should be cut immediately. Like, how can you wear a long snapper's number? I mean, does he does he even know position he's playing? He might he might think he is the long snapper, so kind of concerning. But yeah, I just that'll be kind of interesting to monitor to see, you know, does. Orlando Skanderick actually make this team?
2: So we'll be following that throughout the week. When is the next day off for my own own sanity and and schedule here? What is it? Is it Friday? Is, that, is that the my next time? Is never. The
1: never because hashtag no days off here <laughs> at Booty Green Nation and BGN radio, but uh, yes. uh, So they'll have off Friday. So they have practice again, Tuesday morning, 9.15. It'll be another full practice. And then Wednesday, it seems like a kind of a shorter day. might be a 10, 10, 10 day. And then Mm. Thursday, they'll have another practice. And uh, I imagine one of these next three days, we might see them go live because they're going to go live at some point here. Maybe it'll be right before that break on Friday. So that'll be something to definitely watch out for as well. And as always, we'll have coverage of it here on bgn radio and bleedinggreennation.com so make sure you keep
2: tuned to those that's gonna do it for bgn radio episode 67 like blg we got a full week ahead of us and we're rolling right into the preseason man the first preseason game is august 1st the hall of fame game is so very close real football action coming your way very soon make sure you keep it here on bgn radio and we'll catch you next time
0: Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.